Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey, 180 family, welcome to Around the Remote Worship. Um, Some have asked why we're meeting remotely for the next two weeks. Uh, Simple answer, AMC Corporate asked us if we would concede the next two weeks because they have a huge film festival um, that they're running at 19th in around the city. And as good tenants, um, in good cooperation, as a kind gesture, we said we would concede as we are at the same time negotiating landing a second theater for our growing children's ministry, which we believe will be a very important part of 180's future. So we thought it was a good negotiation as well, but that's why we're doing that. Um, one day when we own our own building, as we dream about that in the next few years, uh, these kind of inconveniences probably wouldn't happen. But at the same time, we stay fluid and mobile and open and ready to seize the opportunities that God has in front of us and ahead of us. So please keep all those things in prayer. Secondly, today, uh, we want to welcome the late Dr. Tim Keller, who recently passed away, a giant of evangelicalism and uh, a profound theologian for the church. Um, We wanted to honor his legacy. Uh, My life and many have been impacted by his uh, profound humility and really centeredness on gospel ministry and not the peripheral things, but the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. He was an advocate for that. But interestingly, in the end of his life, he wrote a book on forgiveness. And why we're sharing this two part interview with Focus on the Family a major counseling institution in the evangelical uh, culture, is because I've learned in the, in the last 25 years of ministry that you can't avoid conflict in community. And that's why as we're on our series of spiritual disciplines and spiritual direction, why we need the discipline of the church, the discipline of the heart, and the discipline of the book. Conflicts are unavoidable because people are, we as people are imperfect and we're going to do wrong and we're going to have to forgive. All of us are responsible for that. And I've seen that pattern um, regularly for the last 25. That's one common thread that I've witnessed myself in my life. And we have to learn the discipline of forgiveness. And he wrote that as his last work. And I felt it was profound and a legacy that we need to really glean from. So for the next two weeks, we're going to be showing this interview with folks in the family, two-part series with Dr. Tim Keller on forgiveness. 
right before we go into Dr. Tim Keller's message, uh, let's just for a moment practice the rule of life. So will you bow your heads with me, wherever you might be, and just spend a moment. So let's exhale. Just let it all come. All the anxieties, toxicities, fears, anything harassing your mind, automatic thoughts, we bring to the feet of God's house. And inhale, the transcending presence of God. It's the air we breathe. And God's amazing presence. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God's people pray. Amen. You know, Tim, let me let me start there. You've written this great book, Forgive. Boy, our culture needs that message, and our Christian culture needs that message. But let me make it personal, if I may, for a moment, because at Focus, many people will write us. They've received a diagnosis. There seems to be two responses. One is, okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? The other is anger and a lack of understanding from that person about what they're going through, kind of bitter toward God. Um, how yeah. do you decide every morning when you wake up where your emotions are going to be with all that? I, it's more understandable, and I would be very patient with somebody, very patient with somebody who is in their 40s or 50s, uh, haven't seen their grandchildren or, grandchildren or their children grow up, uh, it's much more understandable for them to say, God, what in the world are you doing? And this just doesn't seem fair. Now, I did, forgive me for saying this, I did write a book on this called Suffer On Suffering. Right, uh, I Walk remember. With God Through Pain and Suffering. And I think you have to process that. You have, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you have to be, First of all, you need to be patient with yourself and other people need to be patient with you because honestly, from what I understand theologically, God does not want this world to be this way. That he didn't create us to die to start with. And, and so all of the ways in which, um, this, in some ways the suffering is not God's will, but in other ways it's part of his plan uh, between now and when Jesus comes back. And so that takes a little bit, uh, you know, it's interesting, that's kind of philosophical, and uh, it works on somebody, you know, a college kid who's saying, why does God allow evil and suffering? It doesn't work very well on somebody who just found out I've got cancer and I might die in a year. Uh, and uh, I've already outlived a lot of people who, I've already got a little bit of survivor's guilt. I've outlived a 39-year-old woman with, right. with four children yeah. who had yeah. pancreatic cancer wow. stage four with me, yeah. and she's gone. And I think it's, you need to be very patient with yourself and with other people. There are answers. You do ultimately have to say, you're not really going to get much out of not trusting God. It's going to be hard to trust him and say, you know best, but it's going to be even harder not to. Yeah. And so that's the one approach. The other approach is, to be honest with you, Psalm 90 says, if we live three score in 10 years or by strength four score, in other words, you get past 70, I think you're not supposed to complain. Right, there you I go. Think, I feel like mm. I, and Kathy and I have talked a lot about that. We've talked about the fact that, um, that it's really, 
important for us to, to, even though we don't feel old enough to die, the reality is God's given us 70 years, plenty of other people not, uh, probably a couple more years at least, and we yeah. really have nothing to complain about. And if I didn't have cancer, the time is still short. You get into your 70s, you really should be prepared. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, for me, and if you're that age and you get this, I think you need to say, hey, you know, you got to go sometime. God knows when the right time is. Teach us to number our days that so we get a heart for wisdom. It's wise to know your time is up. And in my case, what Kathy and I realized is that we're very grateful for knowing I might die any time because it's enormously been helpful for sanctification and, and prayer. Wow, I can imagine. But it's also yeah. been helpful on focus. Yes. Speaking, I mean, I know it's in your name. <laughs> uh, but the point is you realize you generally tend to live as if you're never going to die. Until Until you happens. realize something like that. And then we said, you know, why didn't we get to this and this and this and this? So the, the day after my diagnosis, I sat down, was praying, and in my, the two words that came to me, and I'm a Presbyterian, not a Pentecostal, but they still came to me. <laughs> One was uh, sanctification, mm. that you're not holy enough. You know that, and I'm going to be working on you. And the second yeah. was focus that you're not focused enough. There's things that you really ought to be doing. Instead, you're just doing whatever everybody else wants you to do to please them because you're an oldest child and you want to please everybody. And you need to just say, no, I can't do that. I've got two or three things I need to work on. Boy, that on. Uh, concerns me because I see you as one of the most focused people I've ever met. So if you're not focused, I'm in real trouble. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reason I keep... Or people say, well, you must have great focus to pop out the books. But I'll just Not say, just books, but really thoughtful writing. I mean, really thoughtful. Well, that's very kind of you. It's actually well, true. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> that's very kind of you to say. But uh, it's not just the books. There's just there was quite a few other things that I should be doing, um, and some younger leaders that I should be talking to. Yeah, that's good. You know Ray Bakke. You know Ray Bakke. Uh -huh. Yeah. Ray called me about two, he was in the hospice, and he said, I'm going to die. I just was calling old friends. We had a wonderful call. He called wow. about two months before he died. And we just remembered, we, we a little concerned about the fact that the, the generation of people who have been telling Christians care about cities are kind of dying off. Right. But we talked a lot about various younger leaders that he was very hopeful for. And actually, it helped me because... I know I'm dying too at some point, but not as quickly. And some of the things he said in that conversation made me say, well, you know, I got a couple of years probably left of pretty decent health and I ought to be doing some of the, I should be talking to some of these folks and I yeah. should be encouraging them and maybe pushing them a little bit. So that's anyway, good. that's that's really good. Here we are sanctification well, focus. Let's move to forgive, and again, what a what a tremendous concept, right from the heart of God. Let me let me make a statement and have you respond to it. Somebody said to me the other day, one of the mistakes we are making in the church. It's always uh, an alert when you hear somebody mention that, is that we tend to use carnal tools against a carnal world and expect a spiritual outcome. In other words, we don't, we're not engaging the fruit of the Spirit, which forgiveness would be part of. So we try to fight the spiritual battle within our human capacity using carnal tools, fleshly tools, yeah. anger, whatever it might be, unforgiveness. And then we expect some kind of a spiritual outcome in that battle with somebody who doesn't know God. 
Speak to that concept of the fading of forgiveness, which you mentioned in the book, and how in this culture today, with less God orientation, understanding of God, there is a fading of forgiveness. Let's just say, let's just talk about the fact that we all know, including Christians, everybody's more combative, everybody's less forgiving, everybody's less congenial, everybody's less, every, and everybody is saying, maybe it's because of the emphasis on power and justice that even Christians have taken on, that uh, power and justice is more important than love and forgiveness, uh, that if you compromise, if you say nice things about those people who are really the, the, the villains and the, the trouble, that it's, it's unpleasing to God, not pleasing to God, and it's hurting our culture. And so there's, but it's not just on the right. You know, it's also, I, I live here, and <laughs> the, uh, uh, there is a, le- a left progressivism that's every bit as bitter right. and unforgiving. And I would say, I don't, I don't know what the percentages are, but they, both the left and the right, uh, especially the more uh, strong left and right, are very unforgiving in both their cases, very unforgiving. And they are very loud. I mean, in other words, they're the ones who are on Twitter. They're the ones who are in the media. Right. They're the ones that seem to know how to leverage the media. And it's a little difficult for me to tell just how big they are. I really, I'm not sure. But they, the trouble is that they are kind of, they disagree on everything except that one, and that is you don't forgive. Right. <laughs> so that is yeah. a cultural move. It feels like, it, you know, from a spiritual construct, I've often felt it feels like something's been unsealed, to use biblical language. It's like this discontent. Something's been released. Something's been released that yeah. is causing a great deal of discontent, frustration, yeah. unforgiveness. And you, you, I... I put it toward the idea that there's less of God in the culture. I there's so. less cohesion in the culture about biblical truth. We stop teaching the Bible. Uh, I guess the point being when you, as the founding fathers said, you know, this democracy, this republic is built for a moral people and it's, it won't work with any other. Yeah. And then you start thinking about the fact that if we're not treating each other well with basic truth, right. It's going to fall apart potentially. Yeah. Let me ask you in the book, you talk about three distortions of forgiveness, non-conditional, transactional, and then no forgiveness. Let's go ahead and jump into those three and maybe give us a definition of those. Well, the first one is more the therapeutic one, Uh, the, the no condition. In other words, what it says is the purpose of forgiveness is just to help you get past your anger. Now, this is partly true. Right. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, if the book of Hebrews says, be careful that a root of, about a root of bitterness, let it, let it spring up and harm a people. Paul says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold. Right. So what they're both saying is that if you don't forgive, it hurts you. Uh, it opens you to other things. It, it, it can, we all know, by the way, bitterness can actually destroy your, your health. Right. You know, it can give you, you know, it can really hurt your heart, your, give you an ulcer. Um, and it's also true that it can just destroy relationships. So it's fair to say one of the reasons you ought to forgive is not good for you. Right. But the therapeutic approach gets complete, basically says you've, you've got to uh, get free of your anger and has no concern at all for the ruined relationship. And matter of fact, it kind of despises 
the person who wronged you. It's almost like saying, don't let him, you know, he's not worth it. I mean, they, right. they, I've read a lot of the more secular therapeutic books on why forgiveness is important. But the books are all about how can you get free and happy, not about what's best for the person who wronged you, what's best for society, what's best for community. Should we be confronting him? Should we be reconciling with him? No, it's all internal. So it's partly right, but it's, it's actually, I don't think it's going to work. It's selfish. And it also rules that it doesn't have any kind of vertical relationship with God either. Right. It's just like, I'm just going to get past this because I'm strong. And so that's the first kind of forgiveness. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because I think so much of this life, we're selfish creatures, I believe. And I think even in this regard, the fact that we would look through the lens of forgiveness, say, okay, where's the benefit for me? Yeah. <laughs> Reinforces that What's selfishness, right? And uh, not what is best for the other person. That's right. Which is more of a godly or, or forgiveness. Or God or community. Yeah. Right. Exactly, Jim. You just said the Christian understanding of forgiveness is it is a concern for human community, both inside the church and outside. You can't really have marriage without oh, forgiveness. Yeah. You can't have, I think, friendship without forgiveness. You can't even have uh, multi-ethnic relationships without forgiveness. So it's... The idea of it's being individually just concerned about how I'm psychologically, that's wrong. The second kind of, I'd say, second false mis or the mistake about forgiveness is, a, is the kind that actually focuses on this, that says uh, it's, high, it's highly conditional. Like, I don't have to forgive at all unless this person comes and grovels before me. Right. Uh, interestingly, Martha Nussbaum at University of Chicago, who's not a believer of any kind, She's very critical. She thinks that's the Christian idea of forgiveness. And she goes to Luke 17 where it says if somebody repents, you have to forgive him. And if he repents, you know, 70 times 7, you have to forgive him 70 times 7. And she says basically forgiveness isn't what it looks like. It's really a way of punishing people, mm. making them grovel under the... Uh, the image of being so gracious and forgiving. But actually, I'm not going to forgive you unless you come and you lick my boots. Right. And, and, you, and, and so she says, sees it as uh, very, very uh, punitive and harsh. And actually, it may be. I mean, in other words, I, that's, not, that's also uh, a mistake. It's not, it's not uh, the full dimensions of, uh, of yeah. biblical forgiveness. Uh, novelist Carrie Fisher, you yeah. reference this. I want to make sure people hear this. It's fairly well known, but not everybody will have heard this. The idea of poison. Describe uh, the comment that you made, that she made, and you put in the book. Yeah, she, she basically says that the idea is that bitterness, staying bitter at somebody is like drinking poison hoping the other person dies. Yeah. And, that now, and I think that that's what I mean by saying the therapeutic aspect is true. It's, I mean, I remember years ago with one girl, 15 years old, had a really very difficult father. I mean, he was, she was so mad at him. And at one point I said, you realize if you don't forgive him, he wins. Right. She said, why? Because you're going to be controlled the rest of your life by him. In fact, what, you'll do things just because you know that would bother your father. Or you'll do things just, you won't do things just because you know he would have wanted that. And I said, he'll end up controlling you and uh, that was my beginning but then I had to go and beyond that and say the reason Christians forgive is because they're forgiven by God and as soon as you bring that vertical thing in it, 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 it 
keeps you from being totally therapeutic or totally, um, uh, you know, make, making the other person grovel. And uh, yeah, it, think of that. What's feeding that in you that you want that person to grovel? Yeah. That doesn't sound healthy. No. See, <laughs> if you have the vertical, that forgiveness is something that I've experienced from God, undeserved but but full. Then that it both it first of all it it builds me up a little bit, you know. Right. That says, hey, God loves me. So people who are trying to hurt you, they they don't hurt you as much, frankly. Yeah. Because you know they hurt my reputation, but God loves me. Okay, so you don't feel like they they've robbed me of everything. Uh, but it also humbles you, and you look at a person who's sinned against you and say, "Well, I've sinned against God, and He's forgiven me." Yeah. So that vertical makes all the difference. You know, another example certainly cuts close to Colorado Springs because it involved the U.S. gymnastics team and the U.S. Oh. Olympic Center is there in Colorado Springs. So we heard about this news over and over again, but. Uh, Dr. Nasser and his despicable behavior with those girls. Uh, speak to the first female gymnast that actually stepped forward and how she saw forgiveness work in that real difficult situation. Yeah, Rachel Den Hollander. Interestingly about Rachel, who I don't know personally, um, but you know, having gotten through the book, I make uh, use of a lot of what she has written. Uh, She's actually, interestingly enough, she's very conservative theologically. So she's, she and her husband wrote a paper on why the doctrine of penal substitutionary atonement. Wow. The idea that uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ on the cross received the wrath of God and thereby took all of our punishment so that we could be forgiven and we could receive his righteousness. She had a paper on that about like, that is actually a wonderful resource for uh, doing justice and helping uh, victims of abuse. Because what she said was, and I totally agree with her, is the cross was not more about justice than forgiveness. and uh, It wasn't more about justice than mercy or more about mercy than justice. At the very same moment he died, he was totally satisfying justice and opening the door for infinite mercy for right. us to be forgiven. So she would say, and I tr the way I tried to summarize this was that you should never pit f forgiveness and justice against each other. You should never say, well, I could either forgive or do justice. I think the right way to say is if you don't forgive first, you won't actually be pursuing justice. You'll be pursuing vengeance. Huh. And that almost always goes astray. It, it doesn't usually get the justice. It usually just creates more retaliation and more bitterness on your part. And and so uh, there's absolutely no reason why you can't forgive completely from the heart and really have perfectly good will toward the perpetrator. And yet now I'm going out to try to get that person exposed and accountable to the law. Why? Uh, for his sake. So he doesn't keep doing it. For other victims' sake. Uh, for, um, for God's sake. He's, in other words, instead of for my sake, I'm going right. to make that sucker suffer the way he made me suffer. No, that's gone. Well, she was really bold, too, even in talking with him. Yeah, she said, I hope you find forgiveness, but... Because it's more important yeah. for God to forgive you than yes, for and, right. me to forgive Basically, you. Basically, she said, I've forgiven you. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm seeking justice, but not out of vengeance. But I hope that you will finally repent so that God, you find God's forgiveness. It's a incredibly balanced 
and very unusual, I think. I think her approach yeah. is oh, it unusual. was overwhelmingly yeah. forgiving and in some ways kind um, toward yeah. him in terms of understanding his sin. Yeah. Another one is the where Jesus was talking about the unforgiving servant, and you mentioned yeah. that in the book too. Oh, yeah. What's the story of the? And again, we can read it, and then we don't apply it to our own lives. But what's the unforgiving servant's well, heart? I, Tell so that she, story for the listeners. Well, they, first of all, it talks about a king who has a servant who owes the king ten thousand talents. It's a debt, and every commentator says this is clearly Jesus' way of saying an infinite debt because it's crazy. A talent was like a year's wages at most. It was like, it's like 10,000 years of wages. They probably, maybe not even the Roman emperor was worth 10,000 talents at all. It's difficult to know historically, but But basically it's a crazy, it's a crazy, crazy amount. And, uh, he says, pay my, pay me. And the, the servant says, please forgive my debt. And the king does it. Okay, great. So then the, the first servant goes on his way and he meets a second servant, a fellow servant, who owes the first servant just a little amount of money. And uh, so the first servant says, pay me. The second servant says, oh, please forgive my debt. And the first servant says, no, into debtor's prison with you. And when the f- king hears about it, he brings the first servant in and he asks him a question. And this is the whole story and it's very powerful. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Ta-da, there it is. I think that's kaboom. Yeah, it is kaboom. In fact, you know, the only part of the Lord's Prayer that ever gets repeated, uh, it, you know, when Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, he always, then always repeats at the very end, and, and, and I want you to know that you, my Father's forgiveness of you and your forgiveness of others are linked. I mean, mm. he says it different ways. But Jesus is basically saying those two things are linked. Yeah. If you think God's forgiven you, but you can't forgive other people, I'm not sure you have asked for God's forgiveness. I'm not sure you've repented. Because if you repent, you you know you're a sinner. And if you can't forgive, then you can say, oh, God's forgiven me. I don't know that he has. So it, uh, I, that just goes right through you. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant as I have mercy on you? And... Uh, and also the difference between this infinite debt that we owe God and the, the smaller debt. That's the heart of the whole thing. Well, what a powerful message uh, from Dr. Keller. Uh, it's really important to remember that forgiveness is a process, but it will be a theme, a chronic theme in our lives where other people will wrong us or we feel like they wronged us and uh, other times where we will wrong others. We're all imperfect sinners saved by grace, not saints saved by works. So it's a process. But it's interesting that the main common uh, part of the Lord's Prayer is not just the horizontal prayer of the church for the last 2,000 years, but also you know, not, not just the vertical, but the horizontal element, right? Um, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive our debts as we forgive others their debts. Which means others owe us because they hurt us. And not to take forgiveness lightly, but 
it is a process. And as we sing this song today, will you reflect on how to forgive? And I think the, one of the most important parts of what Tim shared was forgiveness is granted before it's felt. So as we grapple with this message, will we pray to the Holy Spirit to show us people or situations or things that we need to begin to let go to the Lord so we can be free? So will you pray with me right now as we lift our hands to the Lord and let the Spirit scan us? And this is part of the discipline of the heart. And looking at the discipline of the book and the discipline of the church in our spiritual direction. So let's pray together and sing. Amen. Come and make my heart your own. Come and be everything I am and all I know. Search me through and through till my heart becomes a home for you. Come and make my heart your own. Come and be everything I am and all I know. Search me the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you.
We're so glad that you're tuned in to our Sunday service. My name is Haley, and here are today's community news. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we encourage you to keep God at the center of your finances. Admission is free, but mission isn't. We can give conveniently through apps like Venmo, PayPal, and QuickPay. New to faith, exploring, and seeking God? Check out a small group to help you in your journey. Small groups are a place to connect with others and go deeper into the message. Different groups meet throughout the week at 7.30 p.m. For more information to get plugged in, check out our website at 180 Church on TV or scan the QR code. Visit us at the AMC Movie Theater on 19th Street and Broadway. We'll resume service at the theater in two weeks on July 2nd. So that means another remote service next week, followed by our Day in the Sun or Games in the Sun the following Sunday on June 25th. For this event, we will be meeting at the Great Hill in Central Park. But don't worry if you can't make it. You can always tune in live on YouTube at 12.10 p.m. Please mark your calendars for our 180 retreat. It will take place on Labor Day weekend this year from September 2nd to the 4th. That's a Saturday to a Monday. The location will be at a residence inn in Secaucus, Meadowlands. Please look out for an RSVP link in your email for further details. We have plenty of resources. If there was a highlight or a message that resonated with you on our various social media platforms, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. But if you prefer to share the gospel through Goodreads, why not purchase a book from our suggested devotionals? Are you feeling burdened and in need of prayer? Take a minute to pause and pray. If you need a little extra help, you can always send an email to prayer at 180church.tv. Thank you so much for tuning in to our remote service. We look forward to seeing you next week online.